0: i uh-huh. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper Playoff Recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcast, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So today was an eventful day. I woke up to the worst news you could ever or one of the, some of the worst news you could ever imagine as a Clipper fan, Kawhi Leonard is injured. And at first it said he was just out for tonight's game, and then 30 minutes or so later it said he was out with an ACL injury. So immediately your mind turns to is it an ACL tear, and we hope it's not. And I was pretty devastated, I'm not going to lie, but a part of me has seen this so many times. I don't know when Blake Griffin injured his toe. I remember when Chris Paul and Blake got injured in the same series and that effectively ended any chance we had of advancing. And, you know, this is our best chance to win a title, as I've said, and for Kawhi to get injured. It's just straight out of the Clipper, Clipper Curse playbook. It's just something that seems like Clipper Curse, I should say, you know? Like it's not meant to be. And Kawhi, you know... He has his injury history. This isn't something new. But the way he was playing and for it, to, for it to happen at such a bad time. and You just question everything as a Clipper fan. It's like, maybe it's just not meant to be. And the basketball gods always come to hurt us when we get so close to that second round finish line. But something that's been a common theme this season has been playing with guys out. And something that we've mastered this season is that next man up mentality. So I immediately, when I saw the news, though, I said this. I don't like our chances, obviously. I'd pick Utah to win the series. But I'm not going to count us out of winning two games. The championship, though, if Kawhi's gone, I don't think we have any chance of winning. But as I said, this season for me, yes, of course, I think we should win the championship. Yes, I want to win the championship. But what I want is just to break the fucking curse and get out of the second round. And tonight, we had Game 5 without Kawhi. And all I wanted to see was some effort, some energy. So, by the way, on the Kawhi stuff, there's no news whether it's a sprain yet or an ACL tear or it's a partial tear. My prediction is that he's done for the season, sadly. But the sprain, if it's a sprain, at least that doesn't have any long-term implications. And maybe, you never know, if we can somehow get past this series, maybe we can get him back for the conference finals, maybe, but... I was just thinking of the game tonight to see how we came out. And Terrence Mann started in place of of Kawhi. And you know how much I love Terrence and his energy. And I always say that he shouldn't be removed from the team, from the rotation at all. But we knew what kind of game it was tonight. It was a Paul George game. We needed him to be the man. And the man he was. From the get-go, you could see the Clippers' energy, intensity, communication was high. They were talking through every screen. They were doubling Donovan latent possessions. But the Jazz hit us with a three-point barrage in that first half. Jordan Clarkson, but especially Boyan Bogdanovich, who turned into Klay Thompson in that first half, splashing every three like there was no tomorrow. And some of them were contested shots. I mean, we had a good hand up on a lot of them. That's why I wasn't really that mad. I thought our defensive intensity and energy was high i thought we were doing the right things and i thought that the way we started out was great because marcus morris senior who has again struggled on the road immensely in this playoffs he had a very good game 5 and he honestly may have had his best game of the ser- of the playoffs tonight even better than actually, I think it was probably even better than game seven because I thought his defense was better than any other game. He even was able to stay in front of Donovan, albeit with some hand checking allowed, but was able to stay in front of Donovan on multiple possessions. And he hasn't been great guarding the best players, you know, more often than not in either series, whether it be Luka or Donovan. because He just lacks that foot speed but when they're getting him when they let him get away a little more hands he can be pretty pretty good on that end. And his shot-making, you know, contested mid-ranges, which we've seen all season long, we just haven't seen them much in the playoffs. And he hit those. He had a contested three in the first quarter. And it was just a huge boost because with the Jazz hitting everything, we needed to match that, and we did. Reggie Jackson was also part of that. And Nick Batum was also part of that. You know, Nick Batum, he only shot threes, but he was three of six on those threes, 50%. And that's just a small portion of what he actually did on the court tonight. Because you know how Nick Batum does. He does all the little things. And, of course, we were in that small ball lineup tonight, switching everything, and then on some occasions, hedging and recovering on Donovan when we didn't want to get certain guys involved in pick and roll defensively, like a Kennard or Reggie Jackson at times. But we were sharp, and we were connected, and Paul George set the tone, getting to the basket like we've seen him do all playoffs long. He had 10 points in the first quarter. He got to the line 11 times tonight, and he made 10 of those. And that started from the very beginning of the game. Him being aggressive, him going at Rudy Escar Gobert, taking advantage of his size, or I'm sorry, his lack of speed. And, you know, Rudy, he doesn't like, he doesn't like, you know, um, gambling on defense. He likes to... Just try to let you go by him and make up uh, the foot speed that he loses with his length. And he doesn't like going up for fakes. He just tries to put his hand up and contest on those pull-ups. So Paul George, sometimes when he steps back, he creates separation. And we were feasting on Rudy Escargobert a lot tonight in pick and roll. And because of Bogdanovich, though, and Jordan Clarkson in that first quarter, the Jazz still led by one. And it continued in the second, even though we slowed down a bit. We even went down by ten. Because the Jazz were just on a barrage. But credit Ty Lue. He took some huge timeouts. And I thought Lou Kennard hit two. I think uh, his two threes came in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. But he made them both. He was 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 6 overall. But they were just, you know, shots at a time that we needed them. And then Patrick Beverly. I thought he came in and gave us some really good energy. Especially in that second half when he was able to score 5 points. But overall it was a heavy minutes night for 4 guys in particular. Paul George, 40 minutes. Reggie Jackson, 37 minutes. Senior, 40 minutes. And Nick Batum, 42 minutes. And you look at the Utah Jazz. They shot 54 threes tonight. And only... 26 twos. And I thought they completely played into our hands on a lot of them. A lot of contested shots. A lot of shots we were very comfortable with. And, you know, going into halftime, only down five despite the barrage, I tweeted it out. I felt pretty good because of the way we were defending, the way we were executing, and the shots that we were getting. I thought that we were getting better shots than they were. And Paul George just was just unbelievable. Getting into the lane on pick and roll, turning that corner, you know, just trying to go up strong and letting it fly as well. You know, even though he was only 33% from three, three of nine, he stayed aggressive. And that's what I want to see. And once he started making shots coming off, you know, coming off the screens and just three-level score. That's the thing about the Jazz. They're not scoring from three levels. Donovan Mitchell isn't scoring any mid-ranges. He's settling for a lot of bad threes, and Donovan had by far his worst game of the series tonight, shooting 6 of 19 from the field and 4 of 14 from three. And even without Kawhi Leonard, we were able to do that. And you've got to credit the coaching staff. You've got to credit the way we defended as a ball club. 1 through 10, or not 10, 1 through 9 tonight. Rondo and Zubats only played 9 and 8 minutes respectively. But I thought the rest of the guys, man, they defended and took the challenge on Donovan Mitchell. And we did a great job. But he also dug himself his own grave shooting the threes. And what do we always say on Dime Dropper? Live by the jumper, die by the jumper. Live by the three, die by the three. And that's something that has been a fear for the Clippers all year long. But you know what we found? A team that's even more in the three-point direction and takes bad shots. And here's the thing about the Clippers. We don't lead the league in three-pointers made. We also don't lead the league in three-pointers attempted like the Jazz. But we lead the league in percentage. And we're middle of the pack in attempts. And I guarantee, actually I don't guarantee, I know. That's not a coincidence because despite the fact that sometimes we don't know when to quit this playoffs We've done a much better job of knowing when to quit and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have led that charge Being able to get into the mid-range area and be so much more aggressive attacking the basket And in the third quarter We completely outplayed the jazz because they were 0 of 10 from 3 and we continued to execute and run our offense And Paul George was just phenomenal. He had 30 points going into the fourth quarter That's how good he was and this is the same guy that I said Said we can't win a championship with the same guy. I said I don't trust the same guy I slandered on every bad game the same guy that all season long by the national media and every single person under the Sun That's not a Clipper fan. They have gone at every time he plays poorly and every time he plays well It's we'll wait till he does it in the playoffs and you know what up to this point He's had more good games than bad, but he has still not gotten his due, but after tonight What do people have to say? with all the pressure on him to lead Despite the fact that, you know, you can say the pressure was off the team. It was his job to carry the team tonight. And despite the fact that he had a lot of help, he led the charge. Many attempts were created from him. He set the tone. He was the best player on the court in a hostile Utah. The same place where he choked and had the worst game of his playoff career. Three years ago in game six as the member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He led the way. With 37 points and 16 rebounds. Despite a slightly iffy fourth quarter, he put us in positions to win. He made big free throws, and he had a huge and one. We were up, I think it was 100 to 96 in that fourth quarter. Paul George had maybe the best playoff game of his career tonight. Paul George has officially, and I'm saying this officially, won me over. Paul George, I know you're not listening to this, but I am saying this to you. I apologize for calling you a bitch. I apologize for the harsh words I had for you last year after the glorified Summer League. I just care a lot about the team. I'm still disappointed about what happened last year, but you have made up for it this year. Despite the fact that we are not guaranteed to make it to that out of this second round, this season will be a success for Paul George, even if he chokes it in Game 6. He has done so much. He has shown me he cares. He has shown me he really wants to be a part of this organization. And there's a human side of Paul George that he feels like, you know, more of a real human than Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi, he's an emotionless, you know, robot kind of guy for the most part. Whereas Paul George, you know, say what you want about him. He's not the best player on our team. But, man, it feels real watching him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he has real facial expressions. He pumps the crowd up. He's like a real guy, you know, and I I just really, I thank Paul George, and he's got my back now, you know. I won't slander him. I'll be critical of him if he plays poorly like I will every player, but I am a fan of Paul George now, and I have his back. And Paul George deserves so much credit for tonight to go into that hostile Utah and play like that and stay aggressive. We had the lead going into the fourth, and you know Utah was going to make their push. Donovan started making shots. Bogdanovich continued... Rudy go started getting uh, offensive rebounds. And we still stayed with the small ball lineup. We still persisted. And Nick Batum, four steals, active hands in the passing lanes. We were so good about that all night. Terrence Mann, his defensive effort, his energy. You know, Nick Batum's help defense. How much more can you say about it? It's incredible. Patrick Beverly, putting pressure on the ball. Yeah, he made a careless foul. In that fourth quarter, but overall, he gave us some great energy, and I just thought we were on a string defensively. And Paul George to get 16 rebounds, he had nine more rebounds than the next man, which was Nick Batum, who had seven. Besides Nick Batum and Paul George, nobody on our entire team got five rebounds. Paul George carried us in so many ways tonight 37 points, 12 of 22 from the field. 3 of 9 from 3, 10 of 11 from the line, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, 2 blocks. He was massive. But Reggie Jackson was the guy that in the fourth quarter, when the momentum was going against us, made the big shots. He had a huge shot in the corner with the shot clock winding down. that seemed like it had no chance of going in. And he made a shot 18 feet away with Donovan Mitchell draped all over him and swished it. And then he proceeded to take Rudy Escargobert to the rim for a reverse. That put us up seven and forced the Jazz to call timeout. And I think they came back with a three, but then Paul George got his and one. And that and one, you know, I'm not going to lie, Kawhi, other than game six against Dallas, he hasn't had that many moments like that as a Clipper this season where he's shut the door like that. Atlanta at home I can think of, but not on the road in that hostile environment with all the pressure on like that and momentum against us. Paul George made such a huge shot, and we really won it, guys. We really went into Utah and won it. And it's just incredible for the Clippers because we play so well with our backs against the wall, it seems, this team. Whenever you lose hope, whenever you think it's over, This team just gives you hope again. And if if we're the Clippers, we lose next game. But here's something we didn't have. With the performance that we had tonight, and let me just finish off with the stat lines, actually, before I go into my little motivational spiel. Marcus Morris Sr., the performance that he put up tonight, maybe his best and most important as a Clipper, I'd say probably is, 25 points. 10 of 16 from the field. 3 of 4 from 3. He didn't fall in love with that 3 ball. Unbelievable. The highest plus-minus on our team as well with plus 18 in 40 minutes played. Nico Batum with his big shots, his big defense, his big rotations, his big rebounds, his big tips to other Clipper players. 9.7 boards and 4 steals. Reggie Jackson, 22 points, 8 of 15 from the field. 3 of 8 from 3, he has been our savior all season long. I was talking about it with one of my friends. If you don't count Paul George, he has been our best guard all season long. And I will apologize to Reggie because I said that we shouldn't have resigned him. And I was wrong. Ty Lue changed him after he, after early in the season when he benched him, he brought him back into the fold, and he's been a, more of a spot-up shooter ever since, and his confidence has been incredible, his shooting has been incredible. He deserves, I apologize so much to Reggie Jackson, man. He's been incredible. He's just been amazing. He's just been amazing, and he has my back for life now, for life, because no matter what, he's had an amazing season, no matter what happens next. The Utah Jazz, the tragic Jazz, the absolute scum, losing on their home court in front of their scum fan base. Royce O'Neal, I thought he had actually a pretty good game. 12.7 rebounds, but missed a big three down five, Should he have taken that shot? Let me know in the comments. Bogdanovich, he had an amazing game. 32 points, 10 of 20. 9 of 17 from 3. He only shot 3 twos. Rudy Escargobert, trash player. 17 points, 10 rebounds, 0 blocks. He was exposed in the pick and roll. He cannot guard. I'm sorry, not cannot guard. He cannot post up. He cannot take advantage of a mismatch, except for if it's an offensive rebound. Joe Ingles, 12 points, but one of five from three, and he missed a crucial open three in the corner. Choke job, Jingles. And then Donovan with his worst game of the playoffs, 21 points on six of 19, four of 14 from three, He only shot five twos, and ultimately that's where the Jazz lost this game. They fell in love with that three ball. I said it all year, and I said it before the playoffs. If you listen to my episodes, they're too much of three-point chuckers to win a championship. 20 of 54 from three, 16 of 26 from two. That's actually a very solid percentage. Maybe you should diversify your offense. The Clippers find a way to win in Utah. Third win in a row. 119 to 111 without Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka. Of course, no Mike Conley. But guys, here we are again. One game away from breaking the curse. I want to say it feels like it's going to happen. But I know all too well what this feels like. I felt it in 2015 and I felt it in 2020. And I'm gonna tell you this right now. It is gonna take a Herculean effort to win this series, as I said before. The basketball gods will be against us. There will probably be some some things that you can't even imagine that will happen on Friday night. But man, oh man, after everything that's happened, to get an opportunity to play in front of your home fans for the first time in a sold out house after a year long pandemic with the chance to make history. You could not script it any better than this. And I'm gonna be there to witness it all, to cheer on my team. To give my voice to the cause. To do everything I can. And I'm in the lower bowl on on Friday night. To do everything I can to help get this team over the hump. And do what I've waited for since I was seven years old. Watching Raja Bell hit that corner three in game five of 2006. I'm not going to say we're going to win. I'm just going to let it happen. And I'm not going to think of what I'm going to do if we win. I'm just going to let it happen. But man, oh man. This is it. This is the chance. And it doesn't matter that Kawhi's not playing. One game in front of your home fans. That's all that matters. In a sold out house. Clipper Nation, I am talking to you directly. If you have a ticket to the game, and you don't plan on screaming on every defense chant, screaming on every basket, chanting MVP for Paul George at every free throw, sell your ticket. Because you don't deserve to come. So many Clipper fans, not just in Los Angeles, but around the world, would kill to be at this game. This is officially the most important game in our history. If your voice is not sounding a little different by the end of that first quarter, you are failing us. This is it. This is everything. And if we win, we have every right to celebrate like we won the freaking championship. Because of how much we've been through. Because of how long it's been. Because of everything. How close it's gone and how much shit we've had to hear for all these years. But when we've been here before, now it's time for us to push it to make Staples Center sound like it's never sounded before, to have the loudest Clipper game in the history of mankind. In the history of the Clippers. Blow the roof off of Staples Center. Clipper fans, I will see you there. This is it. I cannot believe it. I can not believe it. We did that. This team showed so much heart. And I'm gonna say this right now. If PG wins this game, I'll have him as my favorite clipper of all time. I'm dead ass. And he could honestly be my favorite player of all time. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I may have him over Chris Paul and Blake if we win this. And this will be my favorite clipper team of all time. Duh. They've clearly shown that they have they clearly show that they have fight. Clearly. But guys, let's shift gears a bit. By the way, game four vlog is out. Go check it out, please. Get that shit to 1,000 views. It's only got like 150 right now. I just posted it. Um, um, Yeah, go check it out. Yes, over CP3 and Kawhi Leonard, I would have Paul George. Because once again, I, nev- I still don't like Kawhi that much. He's a great player. I still don't care for him like that. He just plays for the Clippers. He still hasn't finished off with a great season for the Clips that I can be satisfied of. You know, choking in the first and getting injured in the second. Not much to, you know I, don't know, I don't know, man. I know he's the one that wanted to come, but... You know what? Maybe if, if we win just because of the fact that he got Paul George here, maybe maybe I'll, I'll like him. But right now, I'm really on that Paul George train. But let's talk about Glenn and the Sixers. So, guys, I saw the Sixers came out and threw the first punch. Joel Embiid was extremely aggressive. Um, very aggressive. And... Seth Curry was as well. And I honestly stopped paying attention to the game. I'm not going to lie. I thought the Hawks were giving up pretty easily. I thought they were down in the dumps. They were down 20-something points. It was halftime. And, yeah. I stopped paying attention to the game. I am not going to lie. And you know what happened? Well, Glenn Rivers happened. And here's the thing. I'm actually not even going to say that it was his fault. I didn't actually watch the game and watch the series. Um, I haven't watched the series closely enough to tell you whether it was his fault or what, what was going on. But I'm going to just say this. Glenn Rivers and blowing leads are synonymous with, synonymous with each other. And with Ty Lue making adjustments and coaching the way he's had these last three games, and Glenn Rivers doing this, and it, uh, after he, he said, it's not going to be that different. Well, he's been proven wrong right now. Because that, and I said last night was one of the biggest choke jobs I've seen in a long time. Well, Philadelphia said, hold my beer," Because that was one of the biggest choke jobs I have ever seen. And the funny part is, I can't even tell you what happened because it all happened so fast. But I can tell you this. Ben Simmons, 4 of 14 from the foul line. They straight up went hack a Simmons on him. Embarrassing. And this is the guy that Gen Z bots have the audacity to compare to the GOAT. That's because he's a 6'9 point guard. Dude, that dude may have just cost him the whole season. 4 of 14 from the line. They were hacking him intentionally. And you know, because he's Ben Simmons, because his defense is great. Then Glenn Rivers persisted on leaving him in. You can't persist on leaving, leaving him in like that. And then Joel Embiid... Missing free throws in the end, too. And you got to give Trey Young credit. You got to give the Hawks credit for making big shot after big shot. Even Lou Will hitting some big shots in that second half. But I have to review the tape. And I'm going to review the tape and talk about why exactly it all went wrong besides just blaming Glenn Rivers and laughing at him because it's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It just made my day, honestly. It's a cherry on top of the Sunday that today was. Even though it started out with shit on the bottom of the Sunday, you know, we put a ton of ice cream on that thing and Glenn Rivers put some chocolate syrup and cherry on top for a great day. Even though the shit is still at the bottom of the Sunday, That's the Kawhi injury, of course. Mm, so we're probably not going to eat all that. But Glenn Rivers, man. Unbelievable. And I, yeah, people are saying his rotations were bad. Hey, Atlanta now is in the same position as the Clippers. One game away from pulling off an upset of a number one seed and going to the conference finals for only their second time since they were renamed the Atlanta Hawks. Actually, no. I, I believe 1970 they were in the, and they were in the division final. Um. Yeah, I believe 1970 they were in the division final against the Lakers and got swept um, But in the Eastern Conference Finals, they've only been once, 2015 So they got a chance um, I'm going to briefly talk about the Euros real quick I, I think, uh, so everybody's played their first games uh, I think France was the most impressive team I thought that the way they came out against Germany was impressive to show their quality on the ball and how dangerous they are in counterattack and their defense. But the Italians look really good. And a more attacking sort of Italian side. You know, six goals in two games. That is not something you get from the Italians usually. Um, they're a 1-0 you know, t- type of team, defensive oriented. And that's the Italian way. And, you know, the attacking guys. You know, Locatelli. What a performance. Two goals. You know, uh, Lorenzo Insigne. As a goal streak, he continues. Jorginho sitting back, protecting it. The fullbacks are able to bomb forward. And Chiellini and Bonucci, the old guard, they have, you know, surprising that they're still the ones starting, but they have the chemistry, they have the experience, and they're positionally aware. Um, So I think Italy may be a dark horse to win this whole thing. Uh, Belgium, my favorite team, I thought they were good, but it was very comfortable in their first game against Russia. Uh, Lukaku looked great, though, to start the tournament with two goals. He had a great World Cup, and he just came off the best season of his career, so that was huge. The key for Belgium, to me, is going to be how did Eden Hazard and, and Nebruyne come into the fray, because they're the two players that, in the World Cup, they were top ten players in the world at the time. Hazard even top five. And Eden has not been the same these last two years at Real. Uh, he came in at the end of the game, last 20 minutes, and he looked... You know, he, he was mixing some guys. He looked a little, he was trying to get back into things. But we need a little bit, we need to see more. And Kevin DeRoyna from the orbital fracture, he's still yet to come back. So we'll see how they do. But three points is big. And by the way, prayers up to Christian Erickson. That was the scariest team, scariest thing I saw in all my years watching sports. I have never been so scared for a player's safety in my life. I was, I was scared we were going to see another Hank Gather situation. Anybody that doesn't know, Christian Eriksson, the best player on Denmark for the last decade, collapsed on the pitch um, due to cardiac arrest. He was about to die, and they resuscitated him on the pitch. So congratulations, um, or should I say props and big ups to the medical team that came out and did CPR on him right away because that was so scary. Um, So thank God Eriksson is okay. Uh, But Finland to get a win in that game was just insane Um, Who else though the English big win over Croatia It wasn't the prettiest Raheem Sterling getting his first goal in a tournament That was huge for his confidence because he hasn't had the best season at Man City But the real standout to me was Calvin Phillips from Leeds I thought he was strong on the ball made some great passes just active in midfield and, you know, he's going to definitely have some clubs looking at him after this, the way he's playing. And he had the assist on the goal, too. And Kane was a very silent. You know, he has those games where he can be very uninvolved. He's not a pacey striker that likes to run in behind. He's one that, you know, he comes out and gets the ball, um, you know, 20 yards away from goal and likes to, you know, spread the ball out wide. And, you know, be more of a target man. He has a great long shot. But Raheem Sterling is the one that's going to make those runs in behind. And he found a goal through that. So the important thing is three points for England. Uh, after the first game against the best team in the group, Croatia. Who they lost to in, in the semifinals of the World Cup. So, a little revenge there. Uh, other than that, Portugal, they didn't look very good. They got three goals at the end. You know, deflection and then Ronaldo. Got a Pinaldo moment. And then the third goal was nice. But all that's important is the three points. Because they needed to get it. Because Hungary is the whipping boy of that group. But, I don't know. They didn't look that impressive. But it is still only game one. But, yeah. That's my, that's my quick Euro breakdown. We'll bring more content as the NBA, as the NBA winds down a bit. I'll bring more, more stuff on that. Copa America, uh, I saw Messi score the goal, but 1-1 against Chile. Uh, I didn't see the game today. I'm um, going to probably follow that tournament more as it goes on. It's a little harder without the fans for me. But, uh, oh, yeah, big win for Wales today. Big win. Gareth Bale with two assists. You love to see that. One of them was beautiful. That first goal to Ramsey was beautiful. Oh, yeah, Netherlands, that was a great game, too, against Ukraine. Uh, to come out with that 3-2 win, it looked a little nervy. They almost choked it. But to come out with that 3-2 win, Jeannie Vinaldum on the score sheet. He's one of the longest-tenured Dutch players at this point. Huge. So that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, we I guess we'll have a recap tomorrow night of the bucks nets Game 6. That should be really interesting. But, guys, check out my vlog. Game 4, Game 6. Oh, my God, man. its It has the potential to be one of the greatest nights of my life. Wow. Now to the live subscribers. Peace.